Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Oh, yeah, we're broken. We're absolutely broken. Thank you, Jonathan, for playing that song as apropos. Because the question we have for this half hour, why are we paying so much more for everything? Everything. And they simply say to us one word, inflation. Well, it's a 30-year high. A 30, it's at a 30-year high. So when will prices drop, and how will it affect holiday shopping? We're going to find out about that and the Christmas creep from Mark Bergen, the James D. Watkins Chair in Marketing at the Carlson School of Management. His research focuses on pricing and channels of distribution, where he has studied issues such as pricing as a strategic capability. Let me say that again. As a strategic capability, price wars, Pricing as truces, and how AI can help companies set prices more ethically. Welcome to WCCO, sir. Really great to have you, Mark. Oh, it's my pleasure. Okay. First of all, when it comes to inflation, it is a man-made thing, right? It's well, it, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, oh. what, what, for us, it's, what, it's just brand new. It's something that we haven't had, as you mentioned, for 30 years in fact, going back 40 years was the last really high inflation even beyond it. So it's something that, uh, that we're just not, we haven't had to think about or had to look at as it goes. So, uh, yeah, it's, but it's, it's I, I, when you say man-made, to me it's kind of part of a perfect storm of a lot of, uh, you know, supply constraints, delivery constraints, cost increases, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, factors going on right now that are causing these costs to go up, which are then causing the prices to go up, and they call that a cost-price spiral that tends to feed inflation. Okay, so that's man-made, period, right? That's man-made. And so if it's going to be something that we decide needs to happen, because that's what it always feels like to me. Inflation feels like, oh, it's time for inflation, <laughs> or it's time, it's time for us to do this thing, to correct this thing over here. So tell me, what does it really mean to the average American when, it, when someone says to us, hey, inflation is happening right now, and we got to wait, we got to wait till it corrects itself. What does that all mean to the average American? Yeah, I, I, I think to all of us, we've been able to live for the last 30 years with very stable prices. So we could go shopping, we could figure out what something cost, we could make trade-offs across different things we'd want to spend on. And what inflation does is it just puts all that, it kind of makes it uncertain, and it makes it dynamic, it makes it change. And so the biggest thing, what it means for us in, in these markets, is that we have to start paying attention to prices now and trying to figure out what's changing by how much and what that effect is going to have on our budgets and our spending and our choices. Uh, for me, I kind of call it the term inflation literacy. And we haven't had to be literate for the last 30 years, but I would argue that now is the time for all of us to become literate on inflation and be able to figure out how to navigate this kind of new world as prices adjust. So where do we, where do we begin? 
Well, the first we can begin is by starting to, as I said, just pay attention. As you notice, the prices are going up in all these ways. You hear this average number of inflation, but different products and different markets move at different paces. That means we're going to have to spend a little more time shopping, looking at these things, and kind of seeing what's going on in the marketplace. Um, I think the second thing is we need to look at our budgets, because what will happen with inflation is prices will go up, but then uh, wages should go up as well. But to the degree that the wages are following slower, what you've got to do is kind of figure out the way inflation is affecting what you can purchase. And so what you want to think about is uh, you could think of inflation as a tax that's slowly eroding away your spending power, your assets, your wages as they stand. And what you need to do is both think about that in terms of how you spend what you'll spend on, as well as trying to make sure that you get cost of living increases in your wages and make sure that your assets aren't aren't in cash or fixed rate uh, fixed rate you know uh, investments that would put you at risk to inflation. So, how does inflation live within the capitalist model? Well, essentially, inflation is as costs go up, then prices go up to follow. So, in this case, you've got you've had uh, labor costs, commodity costs. The demand for those has gone way up while the supply of them has been constrained by supply chain constraints and other issues. Um, Add to that a lot of government spending with deficit spending for good reason, not just here but across the world. And so you have a lot of money, a lot of people chasing a smaller number of goods and services. So then the prices start to rise. So they talk about it as supply and demand, as kind of markets working. And, uh, again, we've been lucky enough to be stable for a long time. Many countries live with moderate levels of inflation for long periods of time. And we can, too. We just need to know how to – we need to pay attention and know how to adjust. So it really is – it's on our shoulders, we the people, to make sure that inflation is in control because we are the ones that make that decision. We are the ones that decide, okay, it's time for us to buy more instead of buying less so that inflation doesn't get out of control. You know, absolutely, we we have to react to it and live with it. Again, I don't know how much control we have. So to the degree, you know, take something like COVID that, you know, came in and really affected demand or take the supply constraints you have with delivery and logistics. Those are things that you and I don't have much control on. Essentially, that's just raising the cost so high for the firms that they're going to need to adjust their prices to to just pass that through and to to also survive themselves during these difficult times. So I don't don't know if I'd use the word control, but I, I do use this word literacy, this idea of know what inflation is, know how it affects your budget, know how to find out about prices, and, again, know how to make sure that your wages, your assets and other things are inflation protected so that we can better navigate you know these difficult financial times what if we don't have any assets well that's that's something that worries me because i do think inflation is a tax it harms the people who have those limited incomes in other areas those would be places that i think we'd want to be making sure that they get the appropriate support and so that would mean 
that their sources of income and their support are adjusted to inflation. Um, and I think those are places where, where, again, I would urge us to emphasize inflation literacy, how to think about looking at their budgets and finding ways to navigate this, to, to be able to kind of successfully have it not impact, uh, not impact too many of the essential needs and things they need to get, to get by. It is quite remarkable how this keeps coming around, of course, in, in the world of America, right, in the United States. It just keeps coming around. Is it affecting other countries the same way at the same time? Yes, it is happening in Europe. It's happening in South America. It's happening in Asia. Uh, and so I think, you, you, and, and that actually adds the inflation, is that you've got, you've got all this happening across a lot of places globally. Um, and again, I think the thing I would say here is, We've been through some very hard times, but we haven't been through inflation. And so interestingly, people in a lot of other countries are more used to this and kind of already know what to do. For us, it's brand new, which is all the prices rising at this high a level. It's been at about 1% or 2% for 30 years. So you and I could just use the prices we knew from our shopping and make trade-offs. Now that's all going to change. Okay, so then where do we go from here? If we say that inflation is happening, okay, we're screaming it at the top of our voices, now what do we do? You told us to make sure that we're paying attention to our assets, make sure that we're staying on top of it, we're watching the whole thing unfold. And the more knowledge we have, or as you put it, put it, literacy we have about inflation, we're better for it, right? We get it. Those of us that don't get it, I would say would probably be the majority of Americans that don't get inflation. Do you agree? I do, which is why I think it's so important that we're talking about it now. Yes. Okay. So what's the first thing we should do to try to learn about inflation that, that could actually help my household, right? right? What should I do? No. So, so, so let me, a couple suggestions. First of all, go out and reshop and pay careful attention to the prices I wasn't, and I just went out recently and was looking at some things, and I, the level of the changes varied by different products, varied at different stores. And so the first thing to be aware of is inflation means you have to go out and spend some time and effort shopping and understanding what's changing in the market and what isn't. Then as you make your own choices, that can help you understand what you might do to stretch your dollars in your budget that are being slowly kind of eaten away by inflation. Can you buy smaller sizes? Uh, can you buy store brands? Uh, can you buy main items, like like a, a gift of a doll for, a, for a, a Christmas present, but maybe fewer dresses or shoes or other accessories? Um, and so you would do that on the spending side. And on the, on the asset side, you should immediately be talking to your employers about the cost of adjustment and doing everything you can to get your wages to adjust to it. And you should be looking at your assets because cash or anything you have at a fixed interest rate loses value with inflation. And so most people who've been through inflation move from cash to stuff. They tend to own assets. Um, There's a study that shows that people that have been through what – 1% 1% higher inflation rates are 6% uh, more likely to buy a house. So think about putting things in things that could, that could hold their value as the price mm-hmm. levels change. Okay, you mentioned going to your employer. Can you give me more clarity on that? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the clarity would be, especially as we start to see these numbers, we just saw what uh, over was 6.2%, over 5%. Now's a good time to get back to your employer and say these inflation rates uh, haven't been high before, but they're high enough now that we should be talking about are there ways that you can help me adjust my income to it? In For example? Well, in countries that have very high inflation rates, they index their wages to the CPI. So now, of course, that's a big structural thing. For example, just going in and saying, you know, can I get an increase to cover the cost of living adjustments that I'm facing? And especially, as you said, for people where that budget is binding and and times are tough. Oh, my goodness. It seems so confusing so, for so many of us. It's almost like we should put on television at a certain time. You can't watch anything else on television except learn this class about inflation because that is what's going to help us. I just went to a gas station. You talked about goods and services. You know, I'm, I'm at one gas station. And that gas station is, you know, prolific. It's all over the state of Minnesota, especially in the Twin Cities, right? I go to this gas station. It's $3.54 for regular. Yeah, no. $3.54. Is that called inflation? Uh, Or does that just call, does that just, you know, you're stealing, you're pilfering. I mean, come on. $3.54. How many families can handle that? Well, no, no. And again, each industry will will move in its own way. Um, um, So, you know, you're right that these prices are hard for us to handle, but as I'm hearing what you're saying, the two things I call out are one that I do think education is going to be part of the key, which is why I think your show talking about it tonight is going to be great. I hope it doesn't force us to all watch a TV show on inflation and one forced in one evening, but being aware that it's here and that education can help, I think is important. The second thing is these companies are facing cost increases that are often 10, 20, 25% higher than they've had before. Most of the managers I talk to don't want to be doing this, these higher price increases. They're essentially being forced to as their costs increase as well, and they're trying to keep their companies afloat and keep their businesses going. So I think it is really hard on us as consumers. I think it's really hard on firms. It's just a, it's just a, a difficult time. Um, what's interesting to me is that inflation happens to appear often during the holidays, um, and that's really hard. When we start hearing that word inflation, people want to pull away a bit financially and say, maybe I shouldn't spend the money I plan to spend. You know, Maybe they wrote down, I want to spend $1,500 for the holidays, and all of a sudden now we hear this word inflation. Those people may be encouraged to pull back and go, maybe I'm only going to spend $400. That, too, encourages inflation. Am I correct? If we pull away? Well, you, you, you highlight a really big issue for these companies. They have all these huge cost increases, and they desperately need to make their sales for many of them during this holiday season. So traditionally during the season, we'd see a lot more discounts and lower prices trying to get you in the store to get you to spend that $1,500 that you, that you put out there. I think businesses and, and others are extremely concerned that people will pull back because of inflation, and that'll cause them to lower their holiday season. Uh, you Again, we haven't experienced inflation during the holidays for about 20 or 30 years. So um, this is 
brand new for everybody as they try to navigate it. Wow, it's incredible. Uh, you've taught me a lot tonight about inflation, and now I want to talk to you about the Christmas creep. What is that? Is that what we're talking about just a moment ago? Uh, well, no, I, you know, to me, the Christmas creep is that the holiday season always goes earlier and earlier. And I <laughs> so think this, this year that's especially, especially true. Combine the delivery delays, which gets everybody to need to order faster just to get it to people's houses, and then add the fact that there's inflation, it could cause people to spend less, but it could also cause them to buy earlier. Because prices, if they go up by 5%, they'll be 5% higher next month and 5% higher the month after. So um, so to me, that's what the, what the Christmas creep was, was the holidays. And, and what I always find amazing is it first was before Thanksgiving, and then it was before Halloween, mm-hmm. then it seemed to be before uh, before the, the Fourth of July. Started. I, yeah. I know, mm-hmm. just, <laughs> just keep going. Exactly. So, who benefits from inflation? That's an interesting question uh, because, really, as you pointed out, the, the costs of inflation are where we tend to focus because it can do a lot of harm. The people who will win in inflation are people who have. There are kind of two groups. One are people who have loans at a fixed interest rate. So I had a friend whose brother bought a house in a country that had hyperinflation, where the inflation rates were really high. And within five years of buying the house on a fixed-rate mortgage, the bank sent him a statement saying, please stop paying the payments. They cost us more to process than the money is worth. And so he and anyone who had a fixed-rate investment they tend to win. The other people who win are the ones who are more financially literate and financially sophisticated. Because as you've been pointing out, they go, they go to their employers and they sign better contracts. They figure out how prices have to adjust and they're able to defend themselves and their budgets better than other people. So to me, that's why inflation literacy is so critical is if we can get that level up and up across the you know, across our society in ways that help people navigate it, it will help them get through inflation. And again, if your wages adjust with the inflation rate, you can live in inflationary times really uh, quite, quite reasonably. So the big problem is when inflation happens and you're not aware, or inflation happens and you don't know how to react. In those periods, that's where there's the greatest damage. And to your point, other people might win. Um, in those settings. But once everybody figures it out, unless it gets really high and, and really hard for us to calculate, it's something something that's pretty manageable or, or has been across a lot of countries across a lot of periods of time. Weren't the 1980s um, pretty hard when it came to inflation? See, that was our last period, and that's yeah. the problem. That was about 14% at its highest rate. Um, I, you know, I'm old enough that I was an actuary back then, you know, being in a company <laughs> trying to figure out how to, pat, you know, how do they handle these cost increases like that? And then it settled down. And for 40 years, none of us have had to deal with this. So my fear is that all of us, for good reason, don't know anything about inflation. And yet inflation is here and it's likely to stay. So that we've got to make sure everybody understands what it is, how to react to it, and how to protect themselves to be to be able to navigate it successfully. Even the mortgage crisis of, of uh, 2008 and 2009, that wasn't a time of inflation either? 
it wasn't. So what happened was we've had we've had recessions, and we've had the economy go up and down, but the government's been very focused on managing inflation and been able to keep it low. So this is this is very unique times for us over the last forty years. And again, for all of us, for the few of us like me who are old enough to remember it, mm-hmm. I you know it was a long time ago, and then. For most of us, we've never experienced it. Yeah, I bought my first house in 1980, and I tell you, it was 16%. 16% for that house. Unbelievable. Oh, you experienced it? You experienced Absolutely, it sir. Absolutely. <laughs> it has been such a pleasure um, having you on, Mark. I hope you'll join us again to talk more about this in the future, because this is something we need. Every American should be uh, educated on inflation at an earlier age. You know, at least by fifth grade, sixth grade, they ought to be talking about it. And I don't ever remember hearing about inflation when I was in high school. So there you go. You go. There's a lot to be done. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us tonight. My pleasure. Thank you for talking about this and, and ed- helping educate us all. And that is my pleasure. Thank you, sir. All right. That is Mark Bergen, the James D. Watkins Chair in Marketing at the Carlson School of Management. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It is now 8.35 here at WCCO. That's 8.35. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do is sit here and gab with you. And so this is our gab moment. We have half an hour to talk, and we encourage you to call 651-461-9229. Did I get that right? 9229. Almost. 9226. 9226. Okay, we have a brand new phone number, and I forget. These are the four that we've always had. 9226. And I I forgot. Oh, my goodness. All right, give the number again, Jonathan. 651 461 9226. Okay. On your phone pad, 9226 spells WCCL. Oh, there you go. Thank you for that. And by the way, we want to hear from you about the conversation we just had about inflation. Now, as you know, he encouraged us to pull back a little bit. You may have to pull back some for the holidays. Usually inflation encourages us to pull back. So what are you deciding to spend for the holidays? Have you already done your your budget? Have you sat down and said, oh, my gosh, I know exactly how much I'm going to spend this year. It's going to be fine. We're all getting back to normalcy. Let's do this. Um, or are you starting to say or did you always say, nope, nope, I'm, I'm going to be very conservative and cautious about how much I, I spend, and I'm going to back off of it. And the reason I ask these questions is because um, I like to go shopping for my daughter. And I'll go and spend $300 on a bunch of clothes for her. She'll try them all on and pick two. <laughs> Seriously. Usually the least expensive ones, which are fine with me. And then I take them back because she doesn't like the way they fit or they don't fit at all. And, you know, that's that. So it really works uh, out for me to to try to help her. She doesn't have any time to go shopping. I'm just trying to help. So instead of ordering it online, I go to the store, and I always say to them, I'm going to bring a bunch of this back. This is for my daughter. And they go, no problem. Tags are still on. No problem. But when I noticed how much I was spending uh, in that $300, the average price 
uh, of one of the tops, just a, a, a top or a sweater, was $25 up to $35. And I thought, now, wait a minute. For a sweater? What's so special about that sweater? Let me think about it. Even when I looked at the jewelry at some of these stores, and we're talking about costume jewelry, okay, nothing fancy. And even that was at $12.99 all the way up to $25. I mean, these were baubles uh, for your ears that, you know, not so long ago were $8 or $6 for a pair of earrings. So already the prices are so high. Of course, a lot of it can't even be delivered because we know the ships are way out in, you know, at Maritime just sitting there waiting uh, to see if they can get it delivered or get the cargo off of the ships. It's really a challenge right now. So what is going to happen for Christmas? So, Jonathan, um, I'd love to have anyone that'd like to call in at 651-461-9226. And um, we, are, we would love, love, love to hear from you. I believe we do have a caller right now. John from Egan is calling in. Hey, John, how are you? Doing well, Joe, and how are you tonight? I'm doing very, very well. You have a question about the Jack Rice interview? Yeah, just uh, kind of a follow-up on... So he talked about the um, firearm that Rittenhouse was carrying. And uh, I'm wondering where he got the information about that it was carried illegally across the lines. I wish I had asked that question. Thank you so much for that. But I did not, and he did not um, answer that necessarily. He did talk about that weapon, but he maybe made two sentences about it. We didn't go into depth about it at all. So I don't have an answer for you on that, John. I apologize. Okay. Do you have any other questions for uh, me? No, I uh, just wanted to follow up on that, but... No, um, we'd have to yeah, have Jack on to help bring clarity. Okay, thank you. All right, Bye. thank you, John. All right, the phone number again is 651-461-9226. And if you'd like to join us on any of the conversations we've had tonight, you are welcome to do so. Now, you just heard my guest, uh, Mark Bergen. Mark Bergen. Uh, he is the James D. Watkins Chair in Marketing at the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota. And he, his research focuses on pricing and channels of distribution where he has studied issues such as pricing as a strategic capability, price wars, pricing as truces, and how AI can help companies set prices more ethically. We didn't get to the AI piece, that's for sure. But he did um, enlighten us on and, and, and try to bring uh, clarity to what inflation really means, what it means for us, what it means for, for those that are middle class, and and it's different for us than others, right? It's different if you're if you're wealthy or are part of the one percenters. Um, it's not such a challenge for them, but they start moving their money around, right? They know how it works. They are schooled in all of that. But many of us that are not, you know, you're making a, a living wage, or at least you're hoping it's a living wage from teaching or uh, medical providers, um, doc, not doctors necessarily, but nurses and um, technicians and so many others that are helping us get through this pandemic. And as you watch and hear how this inflation is starting to roll, and when it starts, it starts moving quickly. It's not like you're going to wait three months and hear about inflation and say, oh, now I'm feeling it. You're, you're going to feel it instantly. And as you heard him talk, if you were able to hear that discussion, he mentioned what it means. What does it mean for us? To put together a budget 
and decide that this is what we're going to spend. But each day we notice that inflation is on the rise or we hear that inflation is on the rise. What do we do? Do we immediately pull back and say, no, I'm not going to put that much, you know, I'm not going to spend that much money. Maybe we're going to make all of our gifts. There you go. <laughs> Gerilyn, I did yeah. want to chime in real quick uh, on the caller's uh, question, uh, Mr. John from Egan, that he just posed about Mr. Rittenhouse having an illegal firearm in Wisconsin. This has been one of the pieces of the case that has been said ad nauseum, uh, if, you, if you have paid attention to the news coverage of it. And this is from Wisconsin law. This is from the Wisconsin state law. Uh, believe it's statute 948.60 and Article 2A, any person under 18 years of age who, pres- who possesses or goes armed with a dangerous weapon is guilty of a Class A misdemeanor. A Class A misdemeanor. Yes. A misdemeanor. So, that, so that's why people are talking about him illegally owning the firearm because – he was under 18 years of age at the time with the firearm in possession. That doesn't even get to him crossing state lines with it, but that is Wisconsin law. Wasn't he 15 when, he, uh, when this first happened? No, 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 no. He was 17. He was 17? Yeah, this was just and last year. how old is year. he he's, now? He's 18 now. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, I tell you, that's one of the cases everyone is watching as we talked um, to um, – our own Jack Rice, we heard him say, look, you know, there are closing remarks on tomorrow and what is going to happen? How is this going to unfold? And I read in an article that um, the state of Wisconsin has uh, brought on some National Guard. I think it's 500 National Guards. Uh, uh, So if anything, if any anger or um, outbreak of violence happens, that there's protection. Not only do they have a lot of police, but they also have the National Guard coming in, about 500 of them. Yeah, basically this is is the same type of situation – that happened mm-hmm. here with the the Chauvin verdict. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. basically the same type of situation that's happening in Kenosha now. Well, everyone will be watching. Uh, I know that I will. And I and as we find out more about this, that's the thing for me: finding out the truth, finding it all out. You know, when it comes to cases, it used to be, uh, I felt as though I got more information. Maybe I just didn't know any better. But I felt like I would get more information from watching um, television or listening or reading about the verdict or reading about um, the person who committed the crime and what that all means. I, I remember trying to learn more so that I could um, understand well exactly what had happened and what what could happen as a result of it. And I have to tell you, it's more confusing for me now. It's harder for me now to understand it all than it was then because there are new antics. There are new models of how this will work, right? It all begins with the jury. (laughs) It all begins with the jury uh, for me. And so just looking at the jury or trying to figure out who they are, now they don't want to give their names right away. We don't really know who they are or what they do. And I don't know, Jonathan, are you okay with that? Are you okay with us not knowing who the jurors are in certain cases? I, I'm, I'm fine with that because, yes, the jury is supposed to be a set of your peers, but you, especially in these high-profile cases, you are put under, under such scrutiny, and there is such rhetoric out there that 
this could be damaging. I'm and and people may say that I'm soft or I'm I'm you know too PC or woke to to talk about you know to mention this, but mental health and mental being does come into play. And if you your name or your uh, um, job career, your family get out into wherever it gets out to into the media or wherever, then there are people out there that think it is there that that gives them license to possibly harass you, to possibly threaten you. And so I have no issue with at least for a, a period of time, like what happened with the Chauvin trial, those names and those people staying secretive staying staying private well because I, i'm just i'm just i'm just i'm just saying right now if you were on one of these juries wouldn't you want some level of protection where people wouldn't be so ready to get at you because there are people out there that again feel it is their duty feel it is their their God-given right to hold up, and I'm using air quotes here, hold up the, the, the premise of justice and, and, and the sanctity of Lady Liberty and all that stuff. And, and they may feel it is their right to come after you. You know, I am taking a class um, at Luther Seminary right now with Dr. Mary Hess, uh, Professor Mary Hess, uh, doctor, of, of course. Um, I'm amazed at what we're learning. And, uh, you know, I said one time and only one time, I said justice is not the same justice for all. It's just not the same. It's a different definition for different people from different places, right? Uh, if you don't look like certain people, then your justice is defined differently, Right. <clears throat> and I, I find it um, interesting that we talk about justice so much. We really do. Um, but I believe we should change the image of justice where she is standing with her torch up and her um, eyes are, are covered and she doesn't see. You mean see. the it's scales. Like, the scales. The scales. Justice. Thank yeah. you. The scales yeah, of we're, justice. We're, right. kind of, we're kind of conflating Thank you. the Statue Thank of you. Liberty That's with, right. the, with the Statue right. of Justice. Right. <laughs> okay. Don't laugh at me. No, I'm just, no, I'm I'm, I'm not laughing. I will say this, though. I will say this um, that justice needs a whole um, makeover um, because she needs to see. She needs to see the injustice, right? In order for her to correct it, she needs to see it. I want the blindfold off of her, right? I want the the scales uh, even to guarantee the, the laws rewritten to say that everyone will see what justice is from the same eyes. And that seems like it's impossible, but no, it's not. I don't believe it is. I think justice should be the one thing we can all get right. I think if we all understood the definition of it, accepted the definition of it for everyone, for everyone, because justice for me and you is not the same for others, right? So as I move forward in life and I watch and hear about all of these cases and I know people who have been um, misused and abused by um, people that are, are there to, to help and protect and that sort of thing, it really frustrates you. It's difficult to get to what justice is in its full definition. So I think we ought to start with a makeover. 
for justice herself. And that's that. If you'd like to comment on any of this, you can give us a call at 651-461-9226 if you'd like to join the conversation. If you don't want your voice to be heard, we understand. You can also text us um, at at 651-461-9226. We'll be back in a moment. It is now 8.53 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. And as we wrap up this um, last half hour, I know Dan called in, um, and I believe he's on the road. Is he with us, Jonathan? Yeah, hello. Hey, Dan, how are you? Hi, Geraldine. Good. You have hey, a great voice. Thank you so much. And you addressed a very important point. You said, was the looting justice? I don't think looting is ever justice. I think it's a way that people get it off of their backs or their hearts to try to do something. But you and I both know during the George Floyd incidents and the protest, um, there were people who came from all over the country that had, they were not Minnesotans. And many of them were doing the looting, not our own people. And so as we watch all of this unfold, we need to get all of our our information correct, and that is not an easy thing to do anymore. What about, it used to be you could get the, that information, but it's hard now. What about autonomous zone? What is about autonomous? People? Say yeah, that again? They, they are a lot, like we had in Minneapolis and in Portland. Is that justice for the people in those communities to have an autonomous zone with no police? I can't speak for people. I think that we all have the right to make a decision as a collective in our cities, in our communities, our neighborhoods. I think we have that right. So I don't try to judge what people decide to do, even if I don't dis- if I don't agree with it, if I disagree. I still try to see it from their perspective. My dear Geraldine. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm so glad you're not executing justice. Justice is blind. Because it doesn't look at color or race or economic status. And the Bible says not to favor the poor in the courtroom. Wow. There's so many other scriptures that could, uh, <laughs> I, could I could go to uh, against that. But I, but I will say this. Um, when it comes to justice, um, her being blind is not working for us. It is not justice for all. It's not justice for all black people or people of color in this country. It's not even um, blind for people who don't have the means, don't have the money, can't make a living wage. Justice is not justice for all. I, I totally disagree with that, Dan. And I've lived through so much of it. And maybe some of your neighbors or maybe some of your family may have experienced that as well. And that's a real problem. If it's going to be justice, we need the definition to be clear. And it should be open to every American. It is. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Can I chime in for a second and ask the listener a question? Real quick. Sure. Because laws are changed throughout the history of this country, was something that was that is illegal now but was legal in 1950, was that justice in 1950? If something was, was illegal now but it was legal back in 1910, was it justice in 1910? But now you look at it today and you say, well, that necessarily wasn't justice. I think, that, I think things evolve over time. And you can't well, necessarily think, say that justice is clear throughout the board, throughout the book, from the beginning of this country to now. 
Well, I, I think the foundational principles of our country that, you know, nobody gets uh, favoritism. And I think if, it's, if you look at it from a Judeo-Christian perspective, that, you know, the laws that were wrong are changed when an enlightened person comes to change it based on biblical truth. Well, I have so much more to say to that as well. I am in seminary right now learning a lot about that, and I appreciate you calling in, Dan. I hope that you will call in another time. All right, everyone, it has been a pleasure being here with you. Um, And I tell you, the challenge is we have to try and understand it all, just like Dan has it from his side of view, and I have mine, and Jonathan has his. We'll be back with Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment, in just a moment. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 